So I want to start again this week by asking a question, kind of like we did last week. And when I get to your answer, I'd like for you to raise your hand. So everybody plays. Okay, here's the question. Uh, who taught you how to tie your shoes? Was it your mom? Raise your hand if it was your mom. Dad? Grandparents? Sibling? Just a good friend? Well, I can't remember exactly how old I was when I learned to tie my shoes, but I know exactly who taught me. It was my sister, Candy, and I think I know why she taught me. I think she got tired of hearing my mom say, Candy, tie your brother's shoes. Candy, tie your brother's shoes. So one morning when it was just her and I, and I wrote this down, she uh, showed me how to make a half knot and then loop it with one lace and wrap the other around it, make a loop with the other lace, slip one through the other and pull it tight, and I got it. I got it. And here, at the age of 63, I got this thing worked out real well. But I had to sit down and watch myself do that this week so I could write it out for you. Because tying your shoes is pretty easy, but it's kind of complicated. I know a guy by the name, a guy of, uh, his name's Bob, and no relation, but nobody taught him how to tie his shoes. And so in his mid-40s, he got to noticing that the people around him, shoes, looked really good compared to his who looked really goofy. And what, I, what we found out is that Bob had six brothers and sisters, and each one of them assumed that somebody else taught Bob how to tie his shoes, and so nobody did. Bob taught himself how to tie his shoes, and it was pretty goofy and pretty sad. And at this point, you're probably thinking, do you have a point? Good question, I do. Here's the point. Tying your shoe is not all that complicated, but teaching yourself how to do it is almost impossible. And it's the same thing with a lot of things in life. Listen, brushing your teeth is not rocket science, but learning how to do it right, you want instruction. Ashley was seven years old, and we were leaving the dentist, and the dentist came out and said, Ashley, don't forget your sticker and your little toothbrush. You gave her a little pink toothbrush. She was so excited. He said, now don't forget, honey, up and down and back and forth. She learned how to brush her teeth right. And he also charged me $25 for oral hygiene instruction. That's a true story. But it's just easier when somebody's teaching you how to do something. Hey, setting a time and date on your new watch, it's pretty easy to do. But it's a whole lot easier to have somebody show you how to do it than it is to get that little bitty instruction book out of the box and open it up and try to find a place where it's in English. It's the same thing with swinging a golf club or setting up a computer or you know, learn, learn how to fly fish. There's just some things in life that go a whole lot easier when somebody teaches the fundamentals who knows what they're doing. And nothing's truer in life than what we've been talking about for the last several weeks, and that's how to treat people in a Christ-like way, specifically loving them the way Jesus does, which is all the way. Now, look, I'm not talking about Golden Rule Monday. That sums up the law and the prophet. That's important stuff. I'm talking about the Great Commandment which is to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. That's tough to do. And the sad thing is in a lot of families, maybe even in your family, looms a big possibility that nobody ever taught you the fundamentals of loving people the way Christ loves people. And so you had to teach yourself. And that's hard to do in this society because we're so selfish these days. And if we're not careful, like Bob, we start watching people on TV, we learn from that, or we learn from imitating the people around us, or we just try experimenting. And it doesn't work out good. I'll give you a good example, marriage. Right now in America, there is a divorce every 13 seconds. That's crazy. That's 277 an hour, 6,064 a day. In the time it took me to tell you that, somebody got divorced. We need somebody to teach us how to love like we're supposed to love. 
Otherwise, we might end up hurting somebody we don't intend to, messing up a relationship we didn't want to, or living with a lot of regrets. We need somebody to teach us, and that's Jesus. So, in Luke chapter 5, that's where we're going to be today. I'm inviting you to get your phones out today. Open up to Luke chapter 5, grab a blue Bible in front of you. We're going to be in the chapter, so I'm going to invite you to read for yourself today. And you can read it now if you want. You can read it later. Now would be cool. We're going to start with the first 11 verses. So again, you can start reading if you want to. And uh, we're going to talk about, number one, you can run up number one from the back. Uh, we're going to talk about love lessons at the Sea of Galilee because it takes place at the Sea of Galilee. Pretty clever, huh? Okay, so as you're reading that, let me set this story up. And this happens very early on in Jesus' ministry. So him and Peter have met a few times. They're getting to know each other. And Jesus is going to show us how to love a crowd and how to love Peter in a real intimate way. Uh, a lot better than we can just by reading it. When we talk about it, you can see what I'm talking about. In, in the Greek, in the New Testament, there are three main words for love. And most all of you in here know this. This is a review for most of you. There's eros, phileo, and agape. Now, eros is where we get our word erotic, and we know that word real well in this country. I'll give you another statistic. Every second in this country, every second, $3,075.74 is spent on pornography. Every second. And in the time it took me to tell you that, $30,000 was spent on pornography. So we know erotic love in this country real well. We also know uh, phileo love. It's brotherly love. We named a city after that, Philadelphia. And then nothing comes from agape, because agape love stands all by itself, man. This, this is just a better way. This is God's way. This is loving all the way. This is off the charts loving here. This is nothing like it in the universe, love. That's what I'm talking about. See, uh, eros is, an, is a sensual love, and it asks the question, what can I get out of this? Phileo love's a little deeper. It says, what can we get out of this? But agape love, oh my goodness. It's unconditional love. It's, it's off the meter. It's golden rule Monday, seven days a week love. It's unbelievable love. That's what we're talking about. Now, another way to think about these is Eros says when, phileo loves because, and agape loves in spite of. And this is the kind of love that we want in our relationships, in our marriages, in our churches. Trust me, this is what you want in your life. Now, by now you've read the first 11 verses, or should have. And so let's talk about the story. Let's set this thing up. Some of you remember, Jesus is beginning to preach, and every time Jesus starts to preach, the same thing happens. People start coming by the groves to hear him preach. Jesus, he doesn't preach the way I preach. Jesus never had to shame anybody to come to church to hear him preach. As soon as he started preaching, they just flocked to church. Somebody sent me this last week. It says, Dear Pastor, you often stress how attendance at worship is, is so important as a Christian. And I think you're right. However, I think you ought to give us some excused absences for Sundays for these reasons. Christmas holidays, two. New Year's, one. Easter getaway, two. Fourth of July, one. Labor Day, one. Memorial Day, one. School closing, kids need a break, one. Schools reopen, the last fling, they need one. Family reunions, me and my wife, let's go with three. Slept in late, stayed up too late on Saturday, nine. Death in the family, two. Anniversary, second honeymoon, one. Sickness per family, eh, let's go with five. Business trip, one. Vacation, three or four weeks a year, six. Bad weather, snow, rain, clouds, two. Ball games, two. Race, two. Unexpected company, can't walk out, two. Time changes, spring and fall, two. Specials on TV like the Super Bowl, three. 
Pastor, that leaves two Sundays per year that you can count on me being at church. The fourth Sunday in February and the third Sunday in August, unless we are providentially retained. Signed, dear member. You didn't like that real well, did you? I thought at least you would get a kick out of it. I never, you know, Jesus never had that deal. He started preaching. People showed up. So he's preaching this day, and he goes down on the beach, and, and uh, so he can get, you know, everybody can hear him. And the more he talks, the more they come. And he's backing up, and more come, and he's backing up, and more come, and he's backing up. And pretty soon, he's standing in ankle-deep water. Somebody asked me one time, has that ever happened to you? Not even close. But anyway, Jesus is looking around, and he sees Simon Peter over there. He's got a boat, and he says, hey, Peter, do me a favor, will you? Take me out a little bit. Let's get off, off of shore, and then people can come down to the beach, and the natural amplification of the water, they'll be able to hear. This is such a neat story that's going on here, if you remember. And then check this out. When the sermon's over, Jesus says to Peter, hey, let's go on out there. Now, he's tired. should be over. But he says, let's go on, cast out into deep water, and let's fish, because Peter loves to fish. Well, let me ask you this, since you didn't like my little letter. Anybody in here know what piece of fish makes no sense at all? (laughs) It's the piece of cod that passes all understanding. That's terrible stuff. Evidently, Jesus knew how to fish, too, because he filled the boats up so much that they had to get some more boats that come out and help him get them in. And uh, it's just an amazing story. You probably remember it from Sunday school. But let's talk about this story from Christ-like love, because that's where we're headed this morning. Uh, let's start with the crowd. Jesus now has to choose how he's going to love this crowd in a very practical way. If he's going to love them with Eros love, then he's probably thinking to himself, man, I love this when this happens. When I pack the place, and people just adore me, they love to come. Listen, that's a real tempting sensation when you're speaking. Not so much lately, but you know what I mean? Or when you're leading singing. And if Jesus had been thinking about himself, then when people started crowding around him, he probably would have said, hey, stop it. You guys keep pushing me back towards, I'll tell you what, you can just go, I'm going on home. You can get somebody else to speak to you. But he didn't do that, did he? He could have phileoed this brotherly love. He could have said, you know what? We're both getting something out of this. You know, I'm feeling good. You're learning some stuff from the Lord. So uh, let's make sure everybody's comfortable and, and don't push. And let's get... But he didn't do that either. And I think I know why he didn't use either one of those kind of loves. He doesn't know those kind of loves. Never experienced and never used them. You got to remember, Jesus came from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who always, always used agape love. Me first of all. So Jesus learned to tie his love shoes with agape love, and that's all he knows. And so when the crowd did begin to grow, instead of thinking me or we, he thought of you. He thought of the crowd. i got to figure this out. I don't want any kids getting hurt. I don't want anybody spilling in the water. I want everybody to be able to see in here. So he figured everything out to make sure he took care of the crowd. That, my friends, is real love. That's agape love. It's practical stuff. It's not me. It's not even we. It's you. Okay, now let's look at Peter, the challenge of loving Peter. Again, if he used Eros love on Peter, he would have said to himself when this is over, ooh, I wore out, man. I hope you like that. I think that's pretty good stuff, Peter. Listen to me. I am tired and thirsty, and I need something to eat. Take me into the shore there and take care of me. But he didn't do that. And again, if he'd have loved Peter with phileo love, he would have said, Oh, I hope you got something out of that. I mean, I sure enjoyed it. Uh, let's go in and see what we can get from you. But again, Jesus takes it the next step. He's tired. It's over. He should have taken a break. But he looks over at Peter. He said, hey, let's go fishing. 
And he's going to make this the best fishing experience in Peter's life. I mean, this is unbelievable. Which would have been easier for Jesus, to fish or not fish? Hello? To not fish. He's tired and exhausted. He doesn't need any more sun. He doesn't need, more, he doesn't need any fish. He would have just as soon gone home, got something to eat, watch a little John Wayne and go to bed. But he's not in a boat for himself. He's in the boat for Peter. And so after he's taken care of everybody else, he just starts loving on Peter. This is crazy stuff. This is amazing love we're talking about here. Can you imagine what kind of universe we'd live in if we had this kind of love for each other? Which would be better for relationships? Which would be better for our marriages? i give you another marriage example. About 10 years ago or so, we did a study through the summer here called uh, the, the Crazy Cycle, Love and Respect. You guys remember that? It was so good we ran it twice. We need to run it again. But the whole premise is, in, in the Bible, uh, women are told to submit to their husbands, to respect their husbands and everything, like the church submits to Christ. And then husbands are told, oh my goodness, to love your wives as Christ loved the church. So when we get married, that's the way we're supposed to do things. You're supposed to love your husband or respect your husband like nobody's business. You're supposed to love your wife like nobody's business. The problem is uh, we do that when we're dating because we're liars when we're dating. You guys are liars, man. I mean, when we're dating, uh, you, can't, you love to be outside. You love to fish. Angie went fishing with me two or three times, and we didn't date very long before we got married. Uh, we've never been fishing since we got married. You guys are liars. And we're liars, too. I mean, I love chick flicks when we're dating. The more drama, the better. You know, I don't know if I've ever watched a chick. You know, we just lie when we're dating. Then we get married, we start getting selfish. And you start spending more time with your buddies. And you're hunting and fishing and playing basketball or, you know, gaming or whatever people do these days. And, and the wives feel a little slighted, so they start withholding a little respect. And sometimes it's real subtle. You don't even know what's going on, but the husbands feel it. So they start withdrawing a little love, and then she holds back. Some, remember that? And then you get the crazy cycle. It goes on all the time. Can, can you imagine what would happen if we interjected some agape love into that? To when the husband says, you know, I'm going to love her like nobody's business, whether she has it coming or not, because she's first in my life. man. And the wife says, I'm going to respect him. I'm going to hold him up even when he doesn't deserve it, because he's first. Can you imagine the flood of healing, the explosion of goodness and grace that would take place in that kind of relationship? Introducing Christ-like love like this. It's amazing how that works, not just in our marriages, but also in friendships and family and all around. It's good stuff. Number three, Jesus' touch. And we're just going to spend a moment on this. This verse is 5 through 12. And I think we're just going to spend a little bit of time on this because I think we just preached on this not too long ago. This is the story of the leper. And the touch of Jesus shows me his love like nothing else. Uh, I, I, listen, when the Bible says the guy's got leprosy, we're not talking about a skin condition. He doesn't have acne. Proactive skin care is not going to take care of this. You know, he's, he's not going to be able to take Humera or whatever that stuff is and clear this thing up. This is leprosy. This is debilitating, humiliating. It, it is terminal. And the moment this guy saw one little white patch coming up on his arm or stomach or his leg, wherever he saw it, by law, he was never allowed to have human contact again. I mean, for, this is so contagious. From the day he saw he had it, until he ended his life, he could never be around another human being. Can you imagine that? Listen, I'm not talking about a 40-day COVID quarantine. 
We've had trouble with that just in our family. He missed each other terribly for 14 days. The rest of his life, he can't touch his wife. Can't hug his kids. Can't shake anybody's hand. Can't hug each other after, after church. Can't even go to church. This is crazy stuff. And Luke says he's full of leprosy, which means it's probably been going on close to a decade, which means it's probably been a decade since this guy's had any human contact at all. And then along comes our teacher, Jesus, to show us how to love. Again, he could eros this guy. If he did that, he would have probably said, <laughs> ain't no way I'm getting close to that. That's contagious. I've had me a day. I've taken care of a crowd. I, I took care of Peter. I'm tired, exhausted. Somebody else can take care of this. But of course, he didn't do that. He could have flailed the guy. He could have said, you know what, brother? I'm going to spend some time with you. Let's pray, but hold up. <laughs> We're going to do some social distancing. So you stay six feet over there and let's wear a mask. But he didn't do that either. What Jesus did, he went the next step in verse 13. The Bible says he reached out his hand and touched the man. He touched him. Now, again, we've asked this question. You probably remember it. But did Jesus touch this guy before he healed him or after he healed him? He touched him before while he still had leprosy. This is unbelievable love right here, folks. This is not I love you if. It's not I love you because. This is I, I love you in spite of all. And this is very risky love right here. I know I've heard people say, well, Jesus is divine, so there's no way he was going to get leprosy wrong. <laughs> he was 100% God and 100% man. But even if I'm wrong about that, he at least broke human law. Jewish law. He at least, at the very least, broke, um, he violated Roman law, and he violated social stigma. This kind of love is risky, especially in the culture we're living in. Man, is it worth it. This is good stuff. Okay, one more, and, and I'll finish it up. Verse 5 through 17, we're going to talk about the friends. Uh, there's an old song we used to sing when I was in VBS. Uh, oh, how I love Jesus. Remember that? Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Why? Because he first loved me. This story, <laughs> it, it, man, this shows this. And it also shows a lot of friendship love. If, if you've been around my sister at all in the last few years, she calls these roof-crashing friends. If you've not read ahead yet, this is the story of the crippled. My now Jesus is in the house. He's had a long day, and, and he's preaching and healing again. And this cripple wants to get in the house, but he can't get in the house. So his friends are going to take him in the house, but they can't get him in the house because it's crowded. So they took the guy up on the roof. Remember that? And Jesus is in the house preaching and teaching, and he starts seeing spackling and stuff falling off the roof. Pretty soon this big hole appears, and they drop this guy right down in front of Jesus. And I love his reaction. He says in verse 20, your sins my friend, are forgiven. Wait, what? <laughs> Your sins are forgiven. Well, actually, I just wanted some healing. But this is Jesus' love. This is the love that goes all the way. Jesus never just heals your body. I know that's what we pray for. Understand, Jesus wants to heal us body, soul, mind, and spirit. What he's offering this guy is amazing. And I have just enough time left to tell you one more principle of Christ-like love. It goes all the way. The last 10%. 90% love here. Jesus could have healed the guy, had a little celebration off you. That would have been cool enough. That would have been a pretty good story. But again, he heals the guy's spirit, his mind, and his heart. 
He heals the whole person. This is so important. That we got to hear this. A better way to love is to love people all the way to the end. Jesus loved us all the way to the cross. And if we're going to love each other the way Jesus loved us, then we can't half, halfway love. We can't help halfway. You, you can't serve halfway. You can't give halfway. You can't halfway tell the truth to somebody, even if the rest of it hurts. This kind of love goes all the way. My, my first full-time hire at this church years ago was Craig Jackson. Some of you know Craig and love him dearly. And, uh, man, I hated it when he left. But when he left, he didn't just go across the street. He went to Arkansas, 11 and a half hours away. And he wasn't gone but about nine months. And we had something really hard and heavy hit here. We haven't had very many heavy hits here, but I took a heavy hit. And it's fine now, but, man, it was nasty. And, and Craig found out about it, and at the very least, he could have called me. He was a good friend, but he didn't. I mean, at the very least, he could have got a hold of somebody that was here and had him run over and check on me, but he didn't. At the very least, the next time he was in town, he could have checked on me, but he didn't. No, he, he got in his car and drove 11 and a half hours, had coffee with me for two hours, prayed with me, and went home. That's what I'm talking about. That's, that's 100% love. That's... That's what Jesus wants us to do with each other. That's what he did with us. It's not 90%. Can you imagine what that would look like in your home? Your mom says, would you help with the dishes? You, you don't do 90%. You, you do all the dishes and clean the kitchen. Take out the trash to the garage, would you, to recycle? You know, take it, take it all the way to the street. You go the extra mile. Hey, could you help me with the groceries? You don't just carry them in, you put them up. Can you imagine what would happen in our homes if we started loving each other like that? Oh, my goodness. So last week, we ended with the challenge to everybody in here to have a um, golden rule Monday. I hope you did that and hope it went well. My family did. worked out pretty good. I think some of them even did Tuesday, you know. This week, my challenge to you all is make this agape love week, the whole week. Pick somebody. If you're married, definitely your spouse. If you got enough energy, do your kids too. But this week, at home with your spouse, I don't care if it's just a discussion or an argument or trying to decide where to go to lunch or what time to get. All about them, them first. Try that this week and you, you'll be amazed. It'll take you all the way back. It's crazy stuff. If you're uh, just one of the kids, pick a sibling. Some of my grandkids, what a change that'd be this week if they picked each other and said, you know, this week it's all about you. If you're single, pick somebody you hang out with all week long. All week long, put them first, whatever they want, wherever they want to go, whatever they want to talk about. And if you're a veteran Christian and uh, you're looking for somebody to do that, pick one of our young kids here at church. One of your grandkids or even better, somebody else's grandkids. And send them an encouraging email this week. Or, you know, send them a gift card, a Panera Bread or something. Just let them know you love them. Just play agape love out to the fullest this week the way Jesus did and start right here at the table where Jesus puts us first it's not what it's not, it's not about me it's not about we it's about you Jesus try that this morning just empty your mind of anything you want anything you're requesting drop all that off you got plenty of time for that and 
just come up this morning and just love on Jesus Christ and thank him for his broken body and his shed blood.